This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position. From its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Fox creeping forward. He pulls up. 18-footer. Aaron Fox puts the Kings on top. Takes one, takes twice. Gives the belly. 35-foot three for the win. Nibania, Bielitsa. If we deserve this win, man. When we're done, we can go chop it up, eat, golf, whatever you want to do. For 40, 48 minutes, I ain't about them games. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Bulls Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, plenty of playoff basketball going on, but uh, none for the Kings, so we are back with more draft coverage. I'm actually excited for it, so don't let, me, don't let my tone fool you. Yeah, we've uh, done a good amount of draft profiles for anyone that hasn't checked those out if you're interested in specific players, but I think our plan for today, and we've touched a bunch on who would like them to look at at pick 12, Um, but yeah, today we'll go over a few names that interest us for pick 35, 43, and 52 that Sacramento owned in the second round of this draft, and I think we wanted to start off with kind of what your philosophy is with these second rounders. Uh, one of the first things I'll throw out here that sticks out to me, I mean, you have four picks in this draft. you got to think one of them is a stash, right? Um, and to me, that most obvious one's probably pick 52. Um, were you in the same thought process that you probably have to stash one of these guys? Yeah, man, you're you're actually blowing um, my whole ethos for pick 52. Yeah, I was going to um, kind of like I, I have like three or four players picked out for each draft spot. And my whole pitch on pick 52 was going to be the draft and stash guys. Yeah, and so do you want to kind of name some of those guys, or do you want to go through the philosophy for the other ones first? Or I think we should go in order. I think it only makes sense to go pick 35, talk about who's there. Because if we go, you know, if we discuss players that, could be available at pick 35. Like, I think it only makes sense to, if if some of those, if multiple of those players, say you can get, say we talk about two guys that we think are going to be around at 35, obviously we would prefer to take another one at 43 rather than, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Makes sense to me. Um, yeah, since I kind of gave away my philosophy for 52, what do you, what are you looking for, for with pick 35 in this draft? Yeah, so pick 35, it's going to be really interesting. I think that there's let – me, let me actually ask you first. How confident are you in knowing where the line is drawn between first round and second round guys? Like is there a hard line where you could say I think there's like 25 players that – that definitely won't make it to 35 or is there a specific number to you where you're like, okay, this guy, this is my cutoff point. I mean, it's probably about 20 guys that I feel like are close to locks to go in the first round. And then after that, yeah, I mean, I did mention a couple here at 35 where 
you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go like early 20s. And then I also wouldn't be surprised to see them there at 35. So I do have a little bit of a range. It's probably about 20 guys that I feel confident saying they're first rounders. There's other ones that I think should be first rounders, but I'm just not not the same uh, level of confidence in that actually happening. I completely agree with you. I'm I can only count 20 guys that I like would feel comfortable betting like as uh, as just first round locks. Um it's pretty much the guys that we've gone through. On this show we've done specific profiles of 26 players, I believe. Yeah. And a couple of them could slip. So, I mean, obviously do that math that we think about five or six of them could slip. I would I would put it for myself at like there's 21 guys that I just feel uh, that's oddly specific, but there is really 20, 21, 22 maybe 22 guys that I just feel like will not be available in the second round, like no matter what. Um, but yeah, like getting into that very next tier of guys, obviously, you know, I, I think for myself, so I'm going off of, and for everyone out there that is listening, if you don't follow Brett Huff, on Twitter at Brett Huff 22 He does a really awesome consensus big board where he puts together all the big boards out there on the web and just kind of averages them together. And I think he weighs certain ones differently, you know, experts with alleged intel on what could actually happen or what have you. So um, basically he turns out what I personally use as, the most reliable big board out there. And definitely, like, I think there's a little bit of discrepancy for who I think is a lock at 2021, but the guys that he has up there are the locks. And then are there a few guys, like, just outside of that range, like, where if you're if you're dreaming big as the Kings or as a Kings fan and hoping that someone falls from what we assume would be late second round, who was like your biggest dream, even if even before we get to the more realistic options? Yeah, I mean, a realistic dream, like, so Jalen Smith, from what I see, is not going to be there. Like, I, I think I've seen Vecini saying a lot that he's gaining a lot of hype of going in the first round. He thinks that's going to happen. The guy that I am hoping would be there and I really like. I think Sacramento needs to look at a backup point guard. Trey Jones, I would love if he was available there. And I think it's somewhat realistic. Um, A defensive-minded point guard that's a great playmaker and has promising shooting to him as well that can, yeah, run an offense and, you know, come in and maybe inspire some of the other guys on the team with his just um, never-ending effort on the defensive end, and he's got great fundamentals there. Um, Trey Jones is a guy that I think you and I both really like, and it wouldn't surprise me he's a late first-rounder for one of these playoff teams. Um, But, yeah, that's a guy I'd be really interested in falling to 35. And then another dream scenario sort of thing um, is Josh Green. I don't think he's there. But, again, it's it's one of these defensive guys that you could kind of bet on. I would prefer to look for a point guard at 35, um, but I think if Greenfell is a guy that I'm really interested in, again, for his defensive intensity for the most part and hoping that would be contagious with some of the guys. Yeah, Jalen Smith is definitely the dream. It's funny, I I've done, I think, five mock drafts now with, um, you know, 30 people acting as the different GMs. And in every draft, I I have taken either Jalen Smith or Trey Jones at pick 35. Wow. Um, and I don't know why exactly. Like, Jalen Smith in particular, I agree with you. Like, that's an unrealistic dream. Um, he He's just in that area where I wouldn't call him a lock to be a first-rounder, but it's very, very likely. And for whatever reason – he just keeps slipping to me at 35, and I think that's the biggest home run on the board. Um, we've talked about him in length. I believe we did do a full episode on him. We did. Yeah, we? with Bryant, actually. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, so obviously, like, the shot blocking and the three-point potential are there, and that's a combination that the Kings went for with Dwayne Dedman, and it didn't work out, hopefully – you know, you can see the same theory here, less uh, financial risk. You're you're putting up that 35th, 
pick as an asset. You're putting that out there to get Jalen, but that's well worth it. Um, that would be the home run for me. Josh Green is another guy that's like right there. I think he was he's the guy I'm talking about when I say there's 21 locks. I think he's my 21st, where like that would be the one just for whatever reason. I think it is that wing defense because it is such a premium. I could almost see Jalen Smith falling more like that being more realistic than Josh Green just because there's so many teams out there. Every team in the league wants more wing defense. Um, but, yeah, and one other name I'll just throw out there, a guy we're going to get to in our next draft episode and do like a full-on profile deep dive in is Teo Maldon, who is like – it's interesting. Like a lot of people love him, but a lot of people just like aren't – he's not like getting a ton of buzz. Um, he is a French combo guard who played a decent amount in the EuroLeague. Um, actually, like a lot of internationals haven't played in the EuroLeague, but um, it, we'll get to him in a, a full breakdown. But he would be another kind of dream for me because, like you, my our, I think our philosophy is going to be the same maybe throughout this entire – for all three picks. But that is my philosophy for this pick is to, to find a guard, someone who's capable of playing point guard because I think there are a ton of options. And I think there's a – one is bound to slip out, um, and I would call this whole group really fascinating to me. It's uh, yeah, Maladon's probably not gonna gonna slip out, but the next guys, I think Terry also Tyrell Terry from Stanford, also probably not gonna slip out of the first round. But Nico Mannion has been having a lot of downward momentum in the draft. Uh, Trey Jones just isn't a very exciting prospect; like he's a very solid game manager but he's not like a sexy pick so I could definitely see him kind of falling Grant Riller is very exciting but man he is like very old as well I would love to get him at 35 but he's older than Jamal Murray for example and then Malachi Flynn out of San Diego State is a exciting guy who's got some upward momentum as well yeah, that's definitely my list of guards that I have there. And I'm curious, what do you think of two more guys that, you know, are in that range of possibly first-rounders but maybe could fall? Because I'm with you where I want to guard here, but if one of Isaiah Stewart or Xavier Tillman are on the table, like, I do – it, it makes me hesitate and, and look at those guys. Like, I think that I would – maybe pick them over some of these guards here. How would you feel about either one of those guys if they fell? I I would not take them over any of those guards. I I like Isaiah Stewart, and I, I like Xavier Tillman as well. I think they're decent options. I don't think that – so, yeah, I'll, I'll let a peek into my – my philosophy for pick 43 go here, which is that I would just collect whatever big man falls at 43 because I think a lot of big men will fall. And I don't really, I just don't think like non-shooting big men are that valuable. And I think one will fall out. Um, Isaiah Stewart in particular, a lot of people hate that dude uh, for whatever reason. I It's just like, maybe it's just a draft draft Twitter thing, but I know a ton of people that are just like, I would not draft Isaiah Stewart. It's, you know, Sam Bassini is dumb high on him. Like he's like in his lottery or or right around it, but I have not seen any other, uh, any other draft analyst have him anywhere near there. And I know a lot of people that like basically, I think he went undrafted in a couple of those mock drafts I did. Wow. Yeah, I uh, I see where you're coming from. And when you're mentioning centers that could fall to, to pick 43 there, are you also thinking like a Zeke Naji, Daniel Orturu? Uh, what other guys are you thinking here? Kalina Azabuki. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- I mean, those are definitely the – that's kind of the group. Um, Naji I like, especially because of his shooting potential. Um, and he's he's – on the young side at 19, um, you said a Turu. Uh, Vernon Carey Jr. might be a little early for him here, but a 19-year-old, big out of Duke, good pedigree, 
really good scorer. Um, he's the kind of guy who obviously is not super valuable in the modern NBA, but you know the whole the whole pitch on him is that if it were ten years ago, he would be a first round pick, and if it were twenty years ago, he'd be a lottery pick, like just because of his style, right? As a as a post player, um, as a, a legitimate post weapon, but maybe not a super well developed uh, defensive awareness guy, and not a not a stretch option. How would you feel about like Vernon Carey or uh, Udoka Asabuku? Yeah, I think it's interesting there. Um, interestingly, for pick forty three, I actually looked at a couple wings here that I thought could be interesting. I don't mind uh, Azubuki or Carey getting some some uh, consideration there, and especially if one of the other guys fall that we talked about. But I, I looked towards like a Cassius Stanley, um, just insanely athletic and a very raw prospect that you could try to mold a little bit. And Emmanuel Quickly, who, you know, I, I could see having a role as just a – um, a 3 and D guy. He had really good percentages playing at Kentucky this year. And then the other one that interests me that, you know, maybe uh, won't be there at pick 43 is Paul Reed, who I think is uh, quietly somewhat comparable to um, um, Precious Achua and, you know, could be available much later, a potential Bagley fit that you could be looking at at pick 43. So I actually ended up looking at some wing players at at 43 here, more so than big men, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, so my only concern, I would definitely prefer a wing here. My only real concern is I'm not sure there are any legitimate wings at this point in the draft, like Tyler Bay, I don't really think falls this late. You know what I mean? I listed him at 35, like later in my list. Yeah. He would be interesting uh, for sure. Um, Like Paul Reed, I don't really see as a wing. I see him more as just like a big man, like a small ball center, even potentially like definitely not a stretch four kind of guy. Definitely don't think he, he could guard threes. Like Robert Woodard maybe goes in this category. And I guess I'm saying wing in that like larger wing archetype where I'm looking for someone with a nearly seven foot wingspan right. uh, or close to it. Like Emmanuel quickly, that's interesting. Um, are you, how do you feel about his size? I know he's six foot three, but he does have a six ten wingspan. Is that getting it done for you? Yeah, I mean, he definitely needs to work on his defensive quickness. Um, he's just extremely raw. But, yeah, I mean, his shooting percentages during his time at Kentucky were were pretty impressive. And that in itself just kind of caught my eye as a guy that, you know, doesn't have all too much of a ceiling to him, I don't think, but could come in and be a nice role player. Yeah, I mean, mainly you're talking about the – 42% from three on 4.8 attempts this year. He doubled his attempts from last year and then also bumped up to a 92% from the free throw line. So a lot of him for me is banking on some catch and shooting. And then, yeah, you just hope that, you know, maybe because of his athleticism and that plus wingspan that you can get something out of him defensively. Yeah. Then there's Stanley, you mentioned, he's kind of like the opposite in terms of height and wingspan where he's six foot six, which is great, but then only a six, seven wingspan where I wonder, I just wonder if these guys like end up being more primarily twos. And is that like, is that okay for you when you're saying wing? Are you looking for guys that can legit play the three? I guess I would prefer the three, um, but I don't think I mind all too much if you're, if you're grabbing a, Hmm a two guard. I think the idea with, with Stanley is a little bit more of an upside swing. He's just, he's, he's raw like quickly, but in a different way where Stanley just has a ridiculous athleticism, his verticals off the charts. I don't have the number in front of me. Um, And yeah, it would just do, it would be a lot of fine tuning to his game and a guy that, you know, could 
potentially in a couple years be a valuable role player for you. While I think like quickly is probably more of a, a contributor out the gates. Um, but to answer your question, I think that, I mean, you would prefer like a three, four sort of size, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not, if I feel like a two guard, you know, fell to this point, I think I still do consider him. Um, and maybe it's because I'm under the impression that one of Buddy or Bogey is likely gone this season, and that clears up a little bit of space there. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at with that. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may still be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees with their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download DoorDash in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Yeah, one other name to mention in that kind of wing group is Elijah Hughes out of Syracuse. He, it's weird. People are either really high on him or really low on him. Um, I think he's, some people like just have him completely out of their top 60. And some guys have him at the end of the first round. He's, he played a ton uh in his career there, I think he, I'm pretty sure he played all four years. He's like almost 23, not an amazing shooter, but a lot of attempts and right around 34%. But it's like, I, I wonder, it's like, okay, I don't know. It's like a 20, 23 year old, not great defensive guy going to do it for me. It's like, it's weird because the thing I like about him the most is that he's six foot six. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, what do you think of uh, age-wise for these picks? Like, I, I did kind of tend to because I think that the Kings are should get pretty long-term focused with the roster they have and kind of retool to get younger around Fox. I did find myself avoiding some of the 22-year-old guys at these later picks, but at the same time, like a 22-year-old that's actually going to contribute through the length of his rookie contract is you know, ha- has some good value when you're talking pick 43. There's a good chance you get a guy that doesn't um, play valuable NBA minutes at all. Yeah, it's a really good question. I uh, One person that I – one player that I've continually asked myself about this. So uh, maybe Riller is a decent, ex- uh, decent example because he is like 24 basically. Um, but also – uh, the other Cassius, I constantly get Cassius Stanley and Cassius Winston mixed up. But Cassius Winston is a four-year point guard out of Michigan State who is also going to be 23. Um, he's a good example of this where I'm like, if if I just get a contributor, that, then I'll probably take that. Like I'd be, I think I'd be really happy with any of these picks, any of these second rounders being a contributor. So I don't know, like it, it's still hard to bank on it, you know, like he kind of reminds me of Frank Mason in that he was a four year point guard coming out of the NCAA pretty, pretty much like well-developed and like pretty much felt like a finished product to a degree. Um, but yeah, then like if it doesn't work, there's no room for room for growth. So yeah, I, I'm torn on it. Where where do you come down on that? Yeah, it really just depends how you feel person to person, I think. Like the two that you mentioned in in Riller and Cassius Winston, I feel 
fairly confident about them, you know, being a third string NBA point guard at the worst, which, you know, is not amazing value or anything. But like, I, I think that they will be NBA pieces for a good bit of their career. And, you know, I, I think it's, uh, it wouldn't be surprising for them to step into a backup point guard role, not too far uh, after being drafted. So it kind of varies person to person, but I, I do tend to stay away from these older guys unless I do feel confident in them, um, which is only a select few, really. For the most part, I I tended to, I trended towards the younger guys. Speaking of backup point guards, quick plug to Sanjay Singh of the Kings Herald. He did a piece on backup point guards um, over there today or yesterday, um, but. Is there any, like, position that you're trying to target because of the roster? I I gave that whole pitch for point guards, and I know you're on the point guard train for pick 35 as well, but is for me that was more just, like, there's uh, a lot of them, and I think one that is going to be a good option will fall there. But are you at all considering, like, the need there? I am a bit. I think it's same as you where there's just a lot of guards that are going to be potentially there at 35 that I'm a fan of, you know, one of the uh, crowd or lists that we mentioned. And at the same time, I think that there's going to need to be a Corey Joseph backup point guard replacement, um, hopefully sooner than later that can kind of work his way into that while Joseph plays out the end of his contract here. But after that, I mean, like, I think that probably, like, the reason that you like Hughes sort of thing is, you know, you just value that size because there's only so many guys in the league that have that great, like, 6'8 size if you can find it. And especially when you're talking, like, the second round here, like, there's not very many. If you're talking wings, like we mentioned Robert Woodward, after that, I I don't know. Um, it's a while before you're getting to the next one that isn't probably considered a big man more than a wing. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that in 35, it's a combination of what's going to be there. And I also think there is a backup point guard, but, you know, there's a backup center spot on the Kings, I guess, if Len walks. But even then, it's so easy to get that in free agency. And then, yeah, I mean, you're probably just looking at a wing, which I think there's a lot of range to what you could consider a wing, really. Um, So after 35, yeah, I mean, I don't really think, that was my long way of saying, I don't really think there's a strict position I'm looking for here, but I do value like six, eight guys at this point, you know. Yeah, Corey Joseph as the backup point guard, you know, it's not been it's not been a great experience. I think he's really talented. I think he's really good. Um, he came out of Indiana. He was really good on Indiana as the backup point guard. I know you and I on this podcast really extolled his values as maybe the best backup point guard on the free agent market last summer and I wonder I just wonder if you let's say you took Winston or Riller dropped or uh, one of these other older point guard types do they like is there any doubt that they're not as good as Corey Joseph like is there any chance that they're actually better than Corey Joseph out the gates I mean, maybe not out the gate, but, like, enough for, yeah. I mean, I mean, Corey Joseph is, I guess the point I'm making is Corey Joseph is good, and I don't have any confidence in them. Maybe, like, Riller, I think, is an exception, because I, I, I actually have him really high. But, like, I'm not sure Cassius Winston will ever be as good as Corey Joseph. That's that's fair. I see where you're coming from. I, I do like Joseph as well. I mean, I think that a lot of Joseph's issues this year were just kind of being misutilized on the offensive end. Um, but say like a 
Trey Jones if it was a younger guy who actually kind of fits a Corey Joseph prototype, then, you know, he can be under the wings of him for maybe one more year. And then if they don't pick up the rest of the guaranteed for the third year or even two more years, you know, I think the the goal would be getting a younger point guard. They could play under Joseph for the one or two years more before he can kind of fully take on that backup point guard spot. I like that. I like that a lot. That's I'm gonna. I think we're totally on the same page. But that's like pick 35. In an ideal world, is yeah, you know, point guard where you have the option of, you know, give him one year to get ready or two years to get ready. Um, you know, Devin Dotson is another option to throw out there in that range. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can tell me that we get a guy that replaces Corey Joseph and gives you about what Corey Joseph gave the Kings this year. Um, and you got that with pick 35. I would be pretty happy. Um, moving back to the next pick, pick 30, uh, sorry, pick 43. Uh, one more wing. I just want to throw out there. And again, maybe not really a wing because to be a wing, you got to be able to guard wings, but Jordan Nwora out of Louisville, six, seven and uh shot, 40% from three on six threes a game. So, like, that's, you know, just a six, seven shooter. How do you feel about those types of guys? Um, there's a few other, like your Sam Merrill's, like, he's super old, so I'm not sure he really fits. I think he's going to be, like, almost 25. But how do you feel about that, like, just six, six, can shoot 40% from three, but maybe that's about it in these later picks? I think there's some value to it. I mean, again, if you actually, I think if you actually are finding a rotationable, rotational NBA guy that's your eighth, ninth guy in your rotation, your 10th guy in your rotation at pick 43, that it's a plus, you know? And, and I mean, at that size, I think there's good value because you're also hoping that that size enables them to defend a bit that they wouldn't be just absolutely terrible there. So I, I really don't mind it there. I think that 43 is going to kind of come down to really just who you like at that point. Um, because again, I don't really see a specific direction to quite go with this pick. I would just hope that it's somebody, hmm, I was going to say somebody young, but I, I don't know if I'd necessarily mind an older guy too much at this point if they really did buy that he was going to be a contributor. Um, yeah, I think at 43, like, you're just hoping that you actually get an NBA guy because there's a good chance you don't. Yeah, and I'm not convinced that just shooting can get you in the rotation. Um, like, I don't know that, like, a six five, six six, six seven Kyle guy gets in the rotation. Um, it's just, you know... It it remains to be seen, especially if you come in older, if you have the ancillary skills to to actually to not get like destroyed in the NBA. Um, but yeah, just to circle back around to my philosophy on 43, and of course I'm flexible on this, but I will just go back to to my baseline philosophy for that pick is just pick any big that falls because I think that you could get a guy that is probably probably was worth the first round pick before the league just the like you know the the value of centers completely fell out um so whether that's an Isaiah Stewart whether that's you know Zeke Naji Daniel Oturo Oturo uh Vernon Carey Azubuke those guys uh Udoka Azubuke. I think, by the way, I called him Kalina Azubuke earlier, which I <laughs> believe was a Warriors player from Definitely my was. youth. Uh, Killian Tile was the other one I wanted to mention. Um, maybe a little bit of wing skills, but not really. I think he's just a stretch stretch big man. And I think he would also – he might be the best big man to get at 43 if he's there. I definitely wrote his name here. It's a guy that, you know, the Kings could just – uh, take a risk on and 
just really swing with him as a potential big shooter at the four there, you know, maybe a Bielitsa replacement with time and his issues. I mean, he was debatably a lottery guy at points before he had a lot of injury concerns. I I definitely would not mind them taking a risk there. And, you know, we kind of quickly went over Tyler Bay, who, you know, probably is more of a 35 pick rather than 43. Um, but I'll say that I, I am really interested in him. Of course, you know, it's my type of guy for sure. Um, six seven with uh, really good length and athleticism to him. 1.5 steals, 1.2 blocks, and also nine boards a game. He totally stole the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year from Onyeka Okongwu, but Bay was a great defensive player. And, yeah, if the the idea that I've read about behind his shot was that he was asked to do much, too much shooting off the dribble, that if he was just uh, catching shooting a bit more, that he could have a shot to him as well. So it's a guy that, yeah, I mean, six seven with that type of defense on him definitely interests me a bit there too. Yeah, no, I don't even think he's like a your type of guy. I think he's like everyone's type of guy. I think he legit – he is probably that last legitimate – big wing defender in this draft and after him it's like you're really just kind of grasping at straws and if we're going if we're going like the full home run route like to say you know best draft possible even though we think every guy will be gone at that point I think it is something like like Jalen Smith at at 35 and Tyler Bay at 43. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a phenomenal draft. So I'll say also, does who you pick at 12 change the later rounds here? If you pick a a wing, a four, say, Sadiq Bay, Patrick Williams, are you hesitant to pick another guy um, like that later in the draft? The only scenario where it would change would, for me, would be if the Kings picked a big man at 12, which I really don't want them to do. But if they pick a big man at 12, I think you probably don't need to spend 35 on another big man. But otherwise, and like I'm specifically thinking of Jalen Smith probably there um, because there's no other big man I want at 35. But like if you, like this, like the way that the NBA is, you don't need a ton of big men. And like you said, it's so easy to get just whoever replacement level in free agency, so but if we're talking about guards, like yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with spending twelve and thirty-five on guards. Totally fine with spending both twelve and thirty-five on wings. That's no problem for me. Guards, I'm a little hesitant. Wings, for sure. I think that you know Miami, Boston, like you're seeing, you can never have enough switchable wings. You see it with the Clippers. Um, I, I think that that's just extremely valuable. You're pretty much able to put three wings out there on the floor. Guards, like, I don't know how I would feel if it was, like, a Tyrese Maxey and a Trey Jones. Like, I, you still would – I guess it would still work. It would still work. I, it would make me hesitate more. Um, if Jones – I like Jones enough that if he's there at 35, I guess that's different. But I would hesitate to go for, you know, a Flynn or Riller if – 35 actually no again because it comes back to a lot of guards are probably going to be the best players there at 35 so I guess I'm backtracking a little there well I also think that we're both assuming that either that probably Buddy Hill is gone and if not maybe Bogdanovich is gone and then we're also both assuming that Corey Joseph probably only has one year left and at the most he definitely at the most only has two I don't think he's getting another contract like maybe something weird happens but like he has that non uh or partially guaranteed year not this upcoming season but the following one so I think say you do draft like what you say Maxi and Jones then in two years you could have Fox backed up by Jones and Bogey backed up by Maxi, and I'm not. I don't really have a problem with that. Yeah, I, I see that. I, I don't have too much of an issue with that either. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. And then some names that we're going to struggle to pronounce at pick 52. Uh, there's Yam Madar, an Israel guard, uh, 19 years old, that has a lot of defensive potential. I mean, what are, uh, what are some of the other ones that stood out here to you? Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. So this is where we're going stash probably. And, and you know, actually before we name a few guys, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll name a few and then we'll go, then we'll explain why or let's get into exactly how crucial it is and maybe even count some roster spots here, like figure out like how, how desperately this one needs to be stashed. Um, but, yeah, I think – so. According to this one, also want to give credit to Nate Miller, who's been on the show before to talk draft stuff with us. He put together a little list of, for us of guys that are eligible to be stashed. Probably the dream is Killian Tile, uh, who plays for Gonzaga, but you know just finished his fourth year and could go play internationally. Uh, I'm not quite sure the details of how that would be worked out. If you're Maybe there, you, maybe you have to negotiate that beforehand and say, look, we're going to take you at 52 with the agreement that we don't have that, even have a G League spot for you, but we want you to go. <clears throat> excuse me, want you to go hone your craft in Europe. Uh, I know that he is French, so maybe he would be totally on board for that. Another French player that could be available around 52 uh, might even be gone by then, but. Abdullah Ndoye, who is kind of a, I wouldn't say a unicorn, but very modern, um, six seven playmaker. Like that's kind of, kind of the dream player type right now. Obviously, he's not there yet. Um, he played for Cholet this year uh, in France, and he is a little bit older almost 23 at this point, so probably not a crazy upside and, and probably has some, considering he's 23 and probably would take a few years to get like fully transitioned into playing NBA-style basketball and NBA-level basketball. You know, I don't think you're hoping for a star there, but uh, I, I think a worthy investment Regardless, and then Madar is a lot younger. You just mentioned him. I think there is not not necessarily star potential, but you know some folks have him, you know, in their top forty, right outside the first round. So so yeah, I mean there there's some there's some high hopes for him. And then two other names that just caught my eye: Marco Simonovich and Barisa Semenich are both big men that can shoot it a little bit. And uh, 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 Simonich is 22, going on 23. Simonovich just turned 21. Um, both 6'11". One, uh, Simonovich from Montenegro and Simonich from Serbia. And those are guys that I think will be there no matter what. So, you know, if they want to go just that, that stash route, I think those are going to be options for them. I also would not be surprised if they didn't go the stash route and they just sold this pick for cash. Um, if and if that helps the ownership with you know feeling like they can pay more money to a general manager or eventually move on from a head coach or anything like you know I think 
correct me if I'm wrong, kind of the reason you were saying a stash guy, like there's a good chance this guy doesn't end up on the roster. It's pick 52. Um, even in the future, you would just keep him overseas. And if you saw something, then you then you would bring him over. But there's a good chance that what you see over there isn't the most can, um, encouraging and, and he doesn't end up on the roster in the first place. It wouldn't surprise me and it wouldn't really upset me that much either if this ended up just getting traded for – some cash considerations or like a ridiculously protected second rounder in the future from someone else. Or, yeah, I mean, if it is a stash guy like Sacramento just got, was it pick 59 or 60 of last year, the Vanja Marinkovic who, you know, yeah, yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. Right. Right. Might as well have not been selected by Sacramento. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I don't get it. Um, (laughs) I think like they kind of sold him or some people have sold him kind of as like, you know, bogey 2.0 or bogey light. But yeah, I mean, I don't think I've heard a single word about him right uh, all year. I think Sanjesh wrote something about him. So shouts out again to Sanjesh over at the Kings Herald. But like, I think he's the only person that's spoken his name aloud in the past calendar year. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it might as well not have made that pick. I, yeah. Like, watch him come over and be an all-star and, and make me look foolish for saying that. But <laughs> but no, I mean, truly did not need to make that pick. Might as well have sold it. Maybe no one is out there buying it. Could be, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate too much, but it does seem like sometimes second-round picks can be agent favors or, you know, you're trying to get, you're doing you're doing a you're doing a, an agent or a league or a group of players or a friend of a player you're courting a, a favor by giving them a workout or giving them a a, a nod here or there and I, obviously I have no idea what the the exact intentions with pick sixty were last year but it it does feel like it does feel like a whole lot of nothing and and I do think. That it's you said you wouldn't be surprised. Like I honestly would be surprised if they make this pick at all. Um, I would be pretty. I, I think it, it's likely to be sold for cash considerations at this point. Um, and with that, I was thinking we could talk about the number of roster spots that are even gonna be available because this was like like I've done these mock drafts and I am like, man, I I'm not sure that I can make these picks. Like I. I, I even considered at one point like selling the pick in the mock just to be like I I have no room for this guy I, and I don't I don't know if they would take a two way or whatever whatever so um, do you have the cap sheet in front of you for next year I don't here I can pull it up real quick okay I'm pulling it up now as well and just thinking about counting out. The guaranteed money for next year, guaranteed roster spots. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So I'm counting eight guaranteed, well, seven guaranteed, plus Jabari Parker's uh, player option, which I believe that he will pick up. I'm assuming he will pick up. And then the non guarantee of Bielitsa. So that is nine. Mm hmm. And then, and, you know, yeah. I would say a fair chance that Bogdanovich returns. But again, you know, I, I don't know. One of healed, I guess it wouldn't surprise us to see them gone. Um, and yeah, I mean, you would think that you want to use the the uh, MLE that they're going to have and bring someone in with that as well. Maybe two players with that. So yeah, I'm so I'm I'm counting eight are locked in. I'm gonna include Jabari Parker in that, and then I'm gonna say that because even if say you trade Buddy Hield, you're still gonna take a player back. Like maybe you trade him straight up for picks, but probably one of those picks is gonna be this year. So that's still that roster spot spoken for. I'm definitely going to assume they bring back Bodanovich based on how much they've talked about bringing back Bodanovich. And then I also, maybe this is hopeful thinking, but I feel like you have to give Daquan Jeffries a contract 
Um, he is a restricted free agent, so that would bring you to 10 plus the partial of Nemanja. Yeah, and then we're talking four draft picks, and it's not going to be 14 guys on this team. Um, I also think that, you know, if, say, at pick 40, there's a guy that Sacramento likes, and if they could package 43 and 52 to move up three spots, something like that, that I wouldn't be against them doing that. I, you know, struggle because... Um, I think we're all hesitant to trust the scouting of the Kings, but if they like a guy, like I think that they're in a position with that pick where it wouldn't hurt them to, you know, just throw in 52 if that actually interests anyone and move up a couple spots. Absolutely. Would you be on board for trading all three picks, say like the Lakers want to give up 28 or something like that? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, if that's getting you a – a Jalen Smith, uh, Trey Jones, or say like Tyrell Terry falls, something like that. Yeah, if there's a guy there and it's clearly, yes, yes, I'm for that for sure. Yeah, just because I'm, I'm just, just trying to think out all the roster spots. Like we think at least one free agent is signed, like one one player incoming from with the MLE, and then – I mean, I'm assuming, like, I'm just trying to, do you think that, I'm going to say Brewer isn't coming back, it's my guess. I'm going to say Yogi Farrell isn't coming back. I'm going to say I hope that they, they hang on to Harry Giles, but I'm probably going to guess that he doesn't come back because uh, the Kings have put themselves in that position. And then, like, Len and Bazemore would be, would you – expect either of them to come back? I don't know if I'd expect either one of them. Um, I, I think I, I'd be more interested in Baysmore, but even then, I mean, you can get, you saw how easy it was to get Baysmore, and I think that, you know, there's guys like that. I would think that the guy that you pick at 12 or 35, something like that, you would hope could take that role a little bit. Um, I, I don't know. I do kind of like his vet presence. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them gone, though. Yeah, let's say maybe one comes back and one free agent is signed, um, although it could go, you know, two free, two incoming free agents. And that gets you, oh, yeah, that gets you 13. And then, like, maximum you're, I mean, you're, we can slot in pick 12 and pick 35 to make the roster, and then, you're talking about two ways and stashes. Uh, and then, like, do you think Kyle Guy – I don't know why I'm getting off on this tangent, but do you think Kyle Guy is getting a, another two-way? I guess it just depends on what sort of picks you're looking at here. I think that it, you should probably give a guy more than one year of run to really evaluate him. You know, I mean, he does have an elite skill to him that – should draw some interest. So I think that you probably should spend more than one year looking at a guy. Um, But yeah, it's going to depend on this, you know, if they have 35 and 43 they're working with. Yeah. And the, the only comment, the final comment I got on the roster spots, maybe I would be very, very clear to everyone in the league that Jabari Parker is free. Um, If you want him, you know, we'll send some cash with him to to take a little bit of that financial burden off the 6.5 million. But if anyone wants him, we'd like to get off the roster spot. Um, and I also will just say I don't think it's crazy to either cut or waive him because with this particular roster crunch, you know, obviously you don't want to pay a guy to not be on the team, but if it's like you're making a decision between Jabari or or guaranteeing Bielitsa's contract or bringing back Daquan Jeffries or something like that. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that if I really need a roster spot there, I, I would consider trying some way to, to clear it up from Parker. Yeah, Parker's not useful on the floor at all, in my opinion. I don't think that it's a guy that, you know, you're developing for the future or anything. I don't like that much of what he's 
bringing you. Like, I, I guess there's some spark plug offense. I'm not really interested in anything he's bringing on the floor. Um, and then, yeah, regarding Bielitsa, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't guarantee his contract, but I think that the value he's at is is fair value, and we saw him prove to be a very valuable floor stretcher who is underrated in the rest of his offensive game as well. I would like to see him there um, in, in one of those spots as well, but wouldn't be surprised if Sacramento went a different direction. Yeah, maybe they even trade him for like a pair of future seconds if they really don't want to – because he's a good player, and that's not a bad contract. So, I mean, it just it just would seem wrong to not give him that money and, not, and just let him walk. Right. So – no room for four draft picks. Not happening. I don't see it. I, I don't see it. I mean, yeah, no. I I mean, you're at at that point. So you got, yeah. Yeah, at that point, you're basically, maybe you get lucky and Daquan Jeffries agrees to return on a two-way. Um, But, yeah, I, I really don't see it. Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't. Yeah. All right, well, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to touch on with these picks, man? That's it for me, I guess. I would just say, just to wrap it all up, if you and, – and, yeah, maybe we don't want to get too optimistic, but, like, realistically speaking, what's the best the best outcome? One, one, two, three, or 35, 43, 52 for you? 35, I, I mean, I think that I, – I don't think that – Jalen Smith is part of the realistic, so I'll say Trey Jones at 35. And then for 43, it probably is Tyler Bay. And 52, I don't know. Probably, you know, if you could convince Killian Tilly to be a stash. Yeah, you said at 53? At 52, yeah. Or at 52, yeah. Uh yeah, even that feels a little optimistic. It does, yeah. It does. Maybe I'll just say staying super realistic. I would say Malachi Flynn at thirty-five, Zeke Naji at forty-three, and and Yamadar at fifty-two. You get yourself a point guard a big man that can space the floor and uh, a young stash. Okay. Yeah. Mine was a little bit more dreamy, so I'll do my realistic more. So yeah, I'd probably say Malachi Flynn at two. Um, I, I like Paul Reed as potential at 43. And then again, yeah, I'll go Yamadar as same as you at 52. It's got to be a stash guy there. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, I think that was a, actually a really fun episode to like remind us who is out there in the second round. The Kings are always busy in the second round. I don't think there's enough coverage of the potential candidates. Sometimes the draft will come and go, and I just have no idea who's available then and who the Kings are picking. And Yeah, hopefully we'll be in front of it, but uh, you never know. I mean, they could totally pick three guys we've never heard of. It's is definitely within the realm of possibility. I think that I'm a little excited for potential guards available at 35 there, though. Um, there's definitely a couple names that I'll be keeping an eye on and see if they fall. And, you know, we'll get to some of those names in future episodes here. Uh, we plan to keep our profiles going pretty soon here. Maybe that's the next episode that you guys are hearing on this feed. But uh, let us know who you would like us to dive into. You can message us on Twitter at Kings underscore Pulse. And yeah, check out great written content on the Kings independent coverage at thekingsherald.com. Definitely go support that Patreon. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again within the next couple of days here.
Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball and Basketball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion, we'll go six-time NBA champion, Robert Ory. See what they had to say and what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering expert.